Hey everyone, and welcome to our podcast where we feel a conviction to discuss questions about different topics surrounding church, culture, ministry, and just general life as a Jesus follower. My name is Caleb. And my name is Parker. And today we're going to be jumping into a topic that is going to be discussing why communities need multiple churches. When we look at a city, a county, a state, that sort of a thing, we end up seeing a whole lot of different churches represented within these communities. So we want to have a conversation about why that is something that's beneficial. Why is there not just one central church? Why is there not just one church community? Why is there not just one pastor over a community? Why are there multiple churches? What's the need? What's the purpose? That's going to be our discussion. As always, this is where the conversation is starting off on, and we might tangent a little bit, but our hope is by the end, we'll have had some good discussion that you guys benefit from. Thanks for checking it out. Parker, do you want to kick us off a little bit? Sure. Um, I guess my first question is like, does a, does a community need multiple churches? Um, my first like initial response to that is, I would think so just based on that most communities have different demographics in it and different groups of people, um, with different sets of needs. Um, and for that reason, I would say yes. At the same time, I don't know. This is something I've semi struggled with because it is something that like we've only had to deal with or encountered really as, you know, as humans in the last what would you say last couple hundred years that we've actually been able to go church shopping quote unquote like yeah in terms of the extreme nature of it now and that churches are a little bit more consumeristic in the aspect of like somebody could go and say I'm gonna go to this church because I like their worship style I could go to this church because you know, I like the pastors preaching better. I'm going to go to this church because they offer a certain kids program or they offer a certain youth ministry model. So that's definitely been amplified in the last, probably would be fair to say about a hundred to maybe max you would say is maybe like 200 years. Um, in terms of there being a presence of multiple churches within a set community, that probably only goes back to I mean, at first would be like the great schism and that sort of a thing, but the extreme nature of the conversation that we're talking about, yeah, would be about the last, I would say, you know, hundred, maybe you could argue 200 years if you want to talk about, well, really once, once in America, we started to see multiple denominations represented would probably be the way for it. But yes, so it's a more recent issue that the early church did not necessarily have, although, sorry, I will throw this out there. Within some communities, you did have the presence of like Paul addresses some of the churches and talking about, you know, hey, you know, some of you say you follow the teachings of Paul. Some of you say the teachings of Apollos, you know, ultimately we're pointing you to Jesus. So there's always been a slight dichotomy of, you know, we follow this teacher, this pastor, this preacher. But again, the severity of it, yes, is more modern. Do you think that how we got here was out of a need for multiple churches or do you think it what I guess how did we get to this point where we have so many churches because I think it's one of those things that people who don't go to church and or you know aren't Christians or believers they look in at Christians and they see all these different types of denominations yep. and things that look like different denominations and 
I think that it's very confusing and it really doesn't come across, even to me, it doesn't come across as unified or anything like that. Um, I think, so yeah, where do you think we got, how we got here? And despite that, do we need multiple churches? Totally. I mean, I think at some point it'd be good for us to have a conversations about have a conversation about why do we have maybe the presence of denominations and things like that, you know, different spheres of doctrine and opinion on scripture and that sort of a thing, but maybe like a common unity when it comes to like dogmatic things, you know, the core things of the faith, like Jesus is the son of God, um, God being triune, some of those things. Um, when it comes to how we got here, I mean, if I was going to be just like pretty flat about it, I would say like in some ways it's disunity and the fact that people have disagreement. I think that's honestly what birthed some of it. Um, part of it is practicality, you know, so let's talk about our region. So we're in Snohomish County um, in Washington State in the Pacific Northwest. Um, within our county, within the location of our church, our church has a pretty easy reach you know, I think it's pretty fair to say to about 200,000 people within like a, a viable distance of our church's location, right? Our church cannot serve 200,000 people necessarily. Now, within that, could there be like this networking of churches within our area that would all be under the same umbrella where you walk in and you say, you know, this church looks like this and seems like this. And there's that kind of sisterhood union of churches and that kind of a thing. Sure. That totally could be a reality. So in some ways, pragmatically, we need many churches for the sake of serving the needs of the people. So that is one thing. Um, one dynamic that I do think that would be fair to say is do we need different, for lack of better words, um, and I'm not even speaking to, you know, doctrinal differences and that sort of a thing, but like, do we need different flavors of church? You know, like our worship sounds this way, our styles this way, our preaching comes across this way. You know, we're a more topical church. You're a more exegetical church. We're a more liturgical church. Some of those things. What do you think on that? You know, is that something you think is innately necessary or is it something that's a bit more of a unneeded preference that we've created? I think it comes down. I think it's a very human need. I think in a previous episode, we kind of talked, we kind of boiled down to that, like the, um, what were we talking about? I think we were talking about what makes church. Yeah. Church. What makes church church and what we kind of boiled down it down to it, like a service, what makes a service, a church service, a church service. It would have to be something that glorifies God and serves the people. Yep. Um, and I think when I say human need, I mean that, you know, you're looking for a situation. I think, I think all the different types of genres of uh, assuming that they fit those two categories, all those, well, this is kind of a, assuming they fit those two categories, I don't think it necessarily matters what it looks like in terms of worship style and all that stuff, all that stuff. Um, I think it comes down to human need because like certain people, like certain styles of worship might not speak to them and it might not serve them as well as other genres of music. And you may have 
um, a certain preacher that has a communication style that just jives better with one group of people and not with another group of people. And I think that's entirely a human problem. I don't think it's necessarily something that's like, you know, at least I don't think it's something that's necessarily wrong biblically at all. It's not necessarily wrong biblically, but an interesting thing is, is that it wasn't an option for a long time. I know, which is kind of where this conversation came from. Yeah. You know, so like it wasn't necessarily an option. I mean, even thinking back to, and, um, you know, back when, you know, the Holy Catholic Church kind of ran the show and that sort of a thing. And even within, you know, the Catholic Church still to this day, and then also within some other uh, groupings, you have things like the liturgy that help run and dictate what will be taught on, what will be spoken on, what will be going on within things. And if you go to a Catholic church in Everett, Washington, and then you go to a Catholic church in Seattle, or you then go to a Catholic church in uh, Bismarck or some random spot like that, there's going to be a unity in how you kind of feel about it, how things look and stuff like that. Um, You know, is it good that our churches have an amount of consumeristic tendencies, I guess, when it comes to this need for there to be multiple churches in a community. I think pragmatically we're going to land on the end of this conversation probably at like, it makes sense. We have multiple churches pragmatically. So, cause again, we couldn't have like one church serve 200,000 people in Snohomish County. Well, totally. that sort of a thing yeah, yeah. is some of our process for why we have multiple churches though, potentially a little unhealthy. I don't know. I don't know. I, it, it's hard for me to say if it's necessarily, and I'm sure some churches that they probably have this kind of attitude, but um, I think it's mostly the consumerist attitude. I don't know if that's what the church has. I don't know. I think that um, the people who are running those churches, granted, I don't work in a church. I don't run a church by any means, so I don't really know. But You are heavily involved. Though, I'm in heavily involved. Um and I think that I, I I don't think that they are running it trying to get numbers necessarily for themselves, or at least they shouldn't be. Um, and because of that, I think their only goal is really just to reach people with the with the good news of Jesus. You know what I mean? So I think that the consumerist aspect of it is almost a natural. Um, tendency that we just have as people in America and Western culture in general, where, you know, you like kind of what you said earlier, like you might want to go to this said church just because, you know, you like the music better and you'd like the, you know, whatever better and, and not necessarily for, you know, um, biblical reasons, I guess. And and when I say biblical, I mean like biblically rich, nutritious teaching and like scripture saturatedness, I guess. You know, kind of saying you're not necessarily leaving one church because you feel like they're being heretical. Right. Like they're not going against the faith. I don't think that that's the largest 
I don't think that's the reason why people don't go to most churches. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I, I don't feel like that most people, they choose to not go to a said church. And maybe like a couple different types of denominations, like you could have somebody that's grown up Catholic and they won't ever go to another type of church other than a Catholic church or Lutheran or, you know, Assemblies of God. Or there's always going to be... Um, what's the word? Preference. Preference, yeah. And I think there also be people that are, tend to be more towards the extreme of being um, true to that said d- denomination. Um, but I don't think that's the majority of people. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think one of the dynamics with this is if we're identifying the fact for the sake of conversation that we need to have multiple churches, the reason for needing multiple churches is because, you know, the mission is so great. Mm-hmm. The need, you know, kind of the idea of, uh, you know, the workers are few and the harvest is plenty, you know, and we need to do the best we can to serve the most people and reap in the harvest to help allow the most people know of the good news of Jesus. So they can realize that the kingdom of God is present and active and wanting to be able to encounter their lives in a real way. And Jesus wants to give them, you know, life and hope and all of these different things. Um, I do think there is a, majority of the time that the reason we have multiple churches comes down to people saying we will be a church that actually inserts said desired thing. We will be a church that actually moves in the spirit. We will be a church that actually embraces the presence of God in charismatic fashions and things like we'll be a church that actually cares about the word within our community. And I feel like sometimes it almost ends up not being out of a heart of the harvest is great and large and we have to all create space for more people to know of Jesus. And it almost comes across as we are the ones who will truly present you Jesus because everyone else has failed you. Right, and that they are presenting the true truth and nobody exactly. else has it right or might not recognize that they might have it wrong at some point. Totally, and I think that's where there's some red flags with sometimes how we view multiple churches in an area. And again, it's not to say that we should vilify churches that believe they are bringing something unique to the table. They might be. They might be helping open the eyes to their local community about things that they need to be valuing and leaning into and understanding better. Um, but I also do think there's a reality that within our communities, you know, a, a big word people will mention in the church right now, and it's a good word, is collaboration. You know, we should collaborate on things. We should work together. We should partner on things. Um, but very rarely are those partnerships actually I would argue in some ways, are those arguments actually for the betterment of the like all parties involved? Um, you know, sometimes people will partner together and it's cause, well, if we partner, we could pull off this type of an event and we could do this. We could serve this number of people, which that's not a bad thing necessarily, but you know, you might look and say, oh, if we do this, we'll get this benefit in return and that sort of a thing. And it's not always necessarily for the unity of the church, not for the unity of representing Christ to your community and that sort of a thing. And I think that's where, as we continue on in this conversation, it's kind of looking at why do we see a need for multiple churches 
when there are churches we can help serve that can help serve and that sort of a thing and maybe even saying what is the right viewpoint to be a new church a new community entering into a community that already has established churches you know for Sierra and myself at some point um, we felt like the Lord has told us that there might be a road for us where we're to church plant and we don't know what community we don't know area we don't know region we've just felt like God said hey this this could be something I have for you and if I open the door for it step into it and you know if that's in let's say Snohomish County where we're at um, and that sort of a thing okay well we need to make sure we're not viewing it through a lens of oh, we're going to plant the church that does the thing that these people really need. And it's looking at almost saying, what can be a healthy perspective of we are going to plant because there are many people to be reached, many people to be served, and we can come alongside the work of these surrounding churches to make sure that can happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that, I don't know. I think this is just a very like I keep saying, a very human thing. Because I think, like, let's say some person, like, let's say you, like it was in Snohomish County or something like that, um, where, granted, Snohomish County in the U.S., I I don't know if it's still up to date, but at least last I knew, we're per capita the least churched area in the United... Least churched county in the United States per capita. Um, So there's a need there. But... I think that, like, let's say you went to go do a church plant within Snohomish County, relatively near to where uh, the church we both attend currently is in Everett, Washington. I think that I obviously don't, I, I mean, I know you and I know that wouldn't, this wouldn't be your heart, but I, I can very easily see people like kind of getting the impression, even if you'd said nothing or did anything to actually give this impression they would kind of assume that it was because like you felt like or like i guess they would kind of question like well if, 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 if we're serving the same god and god's doing good things here then why is there a need to do things somewhere else and it's almost as if like i don't know i feel like we kind of put god's mission in a box in some ways where we kind of start to feel like, oh, everything that God's going to do is going to be right here. Yeah. And I don't know. I, like, I think that's just a human thing where we just like what we like and we feel home in a certain place and we we start to feel like we just get comfortable mm-hmm. and we just start to feel like that everything that God is going to do is within this bubble that is, in our case, BCA, Bethany Christian Assembly. And like, yeah, I think it's just a very human thing. And I think that, it's very hard. I can imagine it'd probably be hard to make that type of transition healthily. And I honestly, and I don't know what would like, what you could do to help stymie that. Honestly, I think it's just a human thing that we just are messy people. Oh yeah. I mean, in terms of how to do something like that, I mean, it's having open and honest conversation and, all of those things and honoring process and leadership and things like that, you know, for us to be talking to, um, you know, our senior pastor, pastor Rob and talking to the board probably and things like that. And being willing to go into the lawn process of saying, Hey, we just want to be faithful and honoring. And that means also honoring here and that sort of a thing. But there is a reality also then of, you know, there's a lot of people who don't, 
want to do that because in the name of Jesus, I was called to step out. So you cannot tell me there's parameters to how I step out. You know, I think that's a very big reality for a lot of people. You know, maybe they've been out of church and a church looks and says, Hey, if you were to plant, we don't want you to plant within 25 miles of our church because we know it could affect our congregation. I'm not even, I'm not, I've had zero conversations with pastor Rob, anything like this. And yeah, yeah. also I would not be in a spot right now to try to plant, but I was just bringing it up as an yes. possible example. No, no, no. It's, and it's good for conversation. I mean, all of those things though are so important to be aware of and allowing and trusting that the Holy Spirit can also lead us to the right places and the right timing and the right communities. I mean, just being honest, like a church started with bad roots is hard to see have longevity. You know, and again, God's grace is amazing and he can go despite us and all these things, but it really matters how something starts. You know, it's an easier thing to have than not is to have a marriage that starts healthily to see it have longevity than one that starts in a rocky place. Now, the reality is God can still move in both of them. One path is just a lot easier. Totally. And I think that's the same thing when it comes to a church within their community. You know, you just look at it and you just say, you know, all right, Jesus, how can we do this and how can we serve and how can we genuinely value those around us? You know, I think one of the issues in church at times, and we had, um, I think mentioned this at one point, but uh, a podcast that Christianity Today did called uh, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, which for our community um, and our region was a very, I think, potent and um, powerful podcast because it was telling the story of a church within our region that had a very drastic and dramatic fall that hurt a lot of people. And something that a lot of the staff members within that church who then got to speak on the podcast talked about was the fact that really Mars Hill viewed itself as the church in some ways, not meaning like they were like the only Christians, but like they were like, we're like the A plus grade of church. We are the church that everyone should be in all other churches that kind of don't do it as good as us and that sort of a thing. And there's such a danger to that, that arrogance, you know, um, I will say for myself as like a youth pastor at times, I'm I'm a pretty big thinker. I'm a really big processor about things. I don't usually make a decision or decide to do something without having thought through it a whole lot of times and things like that. And so there's times for myself as a youth pastor that I have to make sure to be very aware because I'm obviously not the best youth pastor in the world. I don't think anybody's technically the best youth pastor in the world, but like I'm not the best person at this job. There's people who are more talented, more gifted, who are more relational, who could do more things, who are praying more for their communities. Like there's always somebody out there doing more than you could imagine and that sort of a thing. And I have times where I have to catch myself and not hear what somebody's talking about or what they're processing or what their group's doing and looking and thinking like, oh man, just do it like us. And like, it's such an, it's such an small thought that goes into your head that can become such a poison. And I think that sometimes when it comes to having church, multiple churches within a community, that poison pill of a thought creeps in like, man, they just don't do it like us. And it's really toxic when you start to see the growth you expected at one point. And one thing, I mean, we could do a whole conversation about this uh, church growth studies and patterns and things like that. You know, there's a pretty big study about the fact that for many churches and they start to see a big church growth spike, it's a three-year trajectory. Usually it's about three years of rapid growth and see an increase, but they don't adapt 
And usually they think they're adapting, but they're not really adapting. They're just repackaging certain things. And at that point of three years, it hits either a plateau or they have a drop-off happen. And it's because statistically, and that's even for companies and organizations, the first year, you're the hot new thing. The second year, you're starting to get established. The third year, it's let's see what this becomes. And then usually it's the same thing and people start to dive off. And Mike Todd, um, a number of other pastors have talked about this for their churches and saying, hey, we don't want to just be a three-year moment and that sort of a deal. And I think that's a reality. You know, I look at I look at our youth ministry right now and things like that and we're seeing some really cool things happen and we're seeing the Holy Spirit move in amazing ways and we have to fight to make sure that we're not just leaning into organizational practices that are becoming well done that we could then look and say, this is the Holy Spirit doing something incredible and amazing. I genuinely want to see the Holy Spirit move within our community and genuinely move within our county and our region and things like that. And it has to be more than statistics. And the reason, again, why I mentioned this is because it's so easy when you start to see these statistical patterns take place to look and to say, we're the best. And it's like, you might be the best or you actually might be the most average thing in the world. Because you might just be what's happened down the street 10 years ago. You might just be what happened over there a certain time ago. And the criticism you have for the church, for the community, for the people who are not adapting might be the same criticism that somebody says of you in a few years because you never actually chose to care beyond the statistical model that you had brought into a region. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's it's very much so like it can become a skill. I mean, as with anything, like it can become whatever it is, whether you're trying to grow a church or grow a youth ministry or grow insert group here, it's all, it can, has the potential to fall into the same um, skill of kind of, you know, creating community and marketing and all those kind of consumerist things that like there's a science behind of how do you do this? And I feel like the second, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. Like I feel like on one hand we want to reach as many people as possible. Like that's kind of what the task we've been tasked with as Christians with the great commission is to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to as many people as possible. On the other hand, it's like you don't necessarily want to find the magic formula of just the right things to say and how to say them and let's have this event here at this time of the year, this event here, let's do it this way, we'll, you know, produce it to look a certain way, you know, and, you know, employ all those very similar strategies that, like, you know, a restaurant or a store may have like when they're opening or something like that. Like, and it's, uh, I don't know. It just gives me pause because, and I think I, on one hand, I don't think it's necessarily wrong for us to be trying to reach people using those techniques. On the other hand, I think it just gives me pause and not to say that I think I'm necessarily in the right spot and heart space with this, but like, I feel like that's what we need to be at the place we need to be at, like intentionally at all times, we have to constantly be taking pause just to check ourselves 
I think when we're going through that, because the second it just becomes a technique, we've we've missed the point. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. I, I'm a firm believer that God moves at the end of ourselves, and when at our at, God moves the most when we're at our weakest, and not to say God doesn't move in big and thriving church communities, but I guess the question becomes like. Like there's the, at the beginning of a church, it's small and it's, and it's young and it's fresh and you go through all these things and you're, and you're, uh, I would assume inexperienced in it. And you go through all these labor pains and these, these times where you're completely inexperienced and you don't know what to do. And God moves in that because you are forced to trust him out of necessity. But at whatever point that church come becomes bigger how do you keep yourself in that position of needing God and needing to trust God? Because I feel like, I don't know, do you have to intentionally keep yourself at a point where you're at the end of yourself? Or is there a way to be at the quote unquote top of your game as a church and still be fully trusting God and not yourself? I think it's kind of goes back to that poison thing. You were talking about that poison attitude. Totally. I mean, I think for many people, pastors, uh, church staffs, people who are just, you know, maybe on the boards of their churches and that sort of a thing, we have to realize what is the actual goal? What is the actual mission? You know, um, within missions work right now, there's a reality. They'll talk about unreached people groups and unreached people groups are groups who have had less than, and I might be off, but I believe this is still the statistic they use where less than 3% of the people have been able to have the opportunity to hear of the gospel. That's a pretty crazy statistic that we base it off of. If 3% of a people have had the chance to hear, we consider them a reached people group. There's still many lost people within those other communities than that. Maybe we consider a reached area and that sort of a thing, which is not to diminish unreached where they have like, a fraction of a percentage and that sort of a thing. So it's not to diminish, but it's to also not diminish those who are considered reached, who still need to be reached. And I think that's where as churches, you know, it's not an easy call to say, we're going to love our community and it shouldn't necessarily be a comfortable call. You know, there's churches that get to a spot of fiscal sovereignty or whatever you'd want to call it, where fiscally they're able to manage a budget, their staff are able to stay on, they can serve their direct people well and that sort of a thing. And that's a great thing. That's an awesome, awesome deal. But are you wanting to still see your community saved? You know, um, for our church within our context, again, let's talk about the fact about 200,000 people. That's probably a slightly underestimating number that we easily are able to reach within our surrounding community. So when we have, you know, two, three, four, let's say we had 20,000 people showing up to church or something like that, just this like this amazing sounding number of seeing a move of God take place. There's 180,000 people still lost. You know, it's like looking at youth ministry. I've thought about this oftentimes. Um, you know, people talk about what would be like, what's an amazing youth ministry. I mean, on average, uh, youth groups in America, like the average youth group in America is like 
10 kids. Like it's not like a large group. That's not the typical expression. Um, you know, so when you start to see a group be like 50, 60 kids, like this is awesome. This is a great, this is like a, a little community, a small church congregation taking place. You know, a hundred kids, is that a bit, 150, is that 200 kids? Honestly, you give people enough money. If the person's competent and organized, give them enough money. They can have a youth group, 120 kids. I'm not saying it's like an easy thing to do. It's just give them enough money and they're going to do the right events. They'll do the right programming. They'll create the right spaces where people are just like, we should be there. And you statistically can make that happen. If you have a youth ministry of 300 kids, you don't even have half of a class of one of like 15 high schools represented in our region. You've only, you've, and that's not even including junior hires. Start to go to the middle schools. Like, our under-evaluation of what effective ministry empowered by the Holy Spirit could look like is sometimes just like, honestly, it's like kind of astounding to me. And again, it's not to say, feel bad if you're only serving 10 kids. I'm not trying to say you have to be a huge youth ministry, but I'm also saying if you start to see God move and you're seeing growth within your ministry, do not grow content because you feel like you've made it. We've never made it. We always have more we can do. And that is like, that is the the grit and grind and drive of the gospel of realizing Jesus, there's always one more person I can go serve. There's one more person I could help realize they can have life with you. Jesus, there's one more person I could reach out to, to help them know that they need you. And like, you know, as churches talking about multiple churches, yeah, we can, we can say that churches should do better. We can say that certain conversations should be taking place. We can say that areas deserve more from their churches and things like that. Sure, we can have those conversations. That's totally legit. But also at the same time, we are not understanding the gravity of our call at times then. Like, you know, if you have a church in our region of, I actually think, in Snohomish County, I might be wrong, I do not believe there is a church over 5,000 people within our county. Um, Maybe there's some churches that spike up to that on major holidays and stuff when you have, you know, your Christmas and Easter Christians come out. Um, But like on a regular basis, that sort of a thing. Dude, like that is so many people that still have to be reached. So like, that's awesome. We can gather together and have impactful worship services. We can gather together and have feel good moments. We can gather together and help build people up. And those are good things. I'm not saying they're bad things, but like, why do we need multiple churches? Cause there's such a great need and we need to be helping champion and encourage each other to help reach more people. You know, today I had the chance to get together with, um, a number of youth pastors, but one in particular was a youth pastor at, um, a church in Marysville, one of our neighboring towns. And there's a number of kids from Marysville who come up to BCA and Everett to be able to, to go to church, to go to youth, their families participate in the church, all that stuff. And we're able to talk, guess what? I hope his youth ministry is massive. And I hope ours is massive. Cause I hope that together we can help reach a fraction of the kids. Cause in reality, if it's all about, well, they got 10 kids that used to come over here and now they're over there. And man, that's really, man, we're missing the point. There's a a thousand kids that still have to hear the gospel. And again, I'm speaking from a youth ministry perspective, but why do we need multiple churches? Because the need is so great. I think that's kind of maybe where I'm starting to land on with is the need is so great. There's preference. Um, 
that there is difference in style, there's difference in comfortability, there's difference in um, types of preaching, things like that. And we could talk and we should talk um, a ton about those things and, you know, what are the best ways maybe, what are some of the most effective ways? But at the end of the day, there's just so much need. Yeah, I agree. Do you think that, um, and obviously it's partially the church's job, but do you think the main role of the church like building church, not capital C, all believers church is to reach people. Or do you think that fault should fall more on the individuals that go to that church and the church, like building church is just a community for those believers. That's a good question. I mean, I personally think that one of the biggest problems in uh, modernized church, especially within like the Western church, like Europe into America is that we don't actually embrace the fivefold ministry, um, the role fivefold. So, like uh, in terms of what is it? Evangelists, apostles, pastors, teachers, or is it four or five? I should be a better pastor and remember. Here's my thing: we don't have the role of the evangelist anymore. At large. Right. Now, people, you know, whenever I bring this up, there's people that say, I know of this one shirt. Uh, yeah, but at large, we don't really value it. Like, not, it's not a common role at a church to have somebody who's like an evangelist, right? Um, and I think because of that, the Sunday morning pastor has become the evangelist. There is a number of pastors within our nation that are heavily criticized at times because of gospel only preaching you know, where they're really only preaching the basics of the gospel and that sort of a thing. And I think a lot of those pastors, one, they just have a heart for the lost. And in some ways, probably we're best equipped to be evangelists. We're best equipped to be people who would have been sent out to where it's like you bleed for that person just to know about the goodness of Jesus. And that's amazing. And then they should then be coming alongside a pastor, a preacher, a teacher who's able to help disciple and lead them now through that process, not just of justification of coming to faith in Jesus, but now sanctification of walking closer with Jesus and that sort of a thing. And so I think ideally the church building is a place for the non-believer to feel welcome, but should not be the job of the pastor to make sure they see Jesus that day. You know, I think ideally you'd have somebody who's a non-believer walk into the church and guess what? Somebody who's greeting them at the door is meeting them and talking to them and introducing them to Jesus and then says, hey, do you want to come into service with us? We're talking about some more of what Jesus can do in our lives. I think that would be ideal. I just don't think that's what we've allowed the model to become. So I do think as pastors, there is a need to ensure because people outside the church have this general expectation of like, if I go to church, I will have a chance to hear about the goodness of Jesus. So then with that, I do think we have created the necessary obligation then to look and say, unless we can fix it, unless we can mitigate it over the next, it'd be like, you know, 15, 20 years, that sort of a thing within churches, unless we can change that, I think there is a need to say, hey, we need to create space for the non-believer to gather and to be able to feel welcome and brought into community. Ideally, it would happen maybe outside or at certain times where it's able to be more focused for that specifically to serve them in that particular way. But I think now it's become necessary within the main gatherings. Yeah, I think that um, I feel like that we as, or most churches, 
church has become the one, like the one stop shop for like becoming a, like I, I read this book one time when I was in high school, it was for a, I read it during a, and it was a summer internship that our, um, our church does, uh, for the youth ministry. Um, and I, when I was in high school, I did it. Um, and one of the books we read was called Radical by, I believe his name is, do you know his name? You look like you know David Platt. Platt. I knew his last name was Platt. And one of the things he talks about in that book is um, how there's two different types of churches. There's churches that equip their members to go be ambassadors of Christ. And there's churches that equip themselves and make themselves entirely ready so that when like the only thing their attendees have to do to like be ministers of the gospel is get their friend or whoever it is to church. And I think that looking at how Jesus did ministry on a very one to one person to person, like that's like where like his true followers were, where he had his 12 and then he had his main three, Peter, James and John. And then he kind of had this ripple effect, um, type of model where he would minister to a small number and then each of those people would go minister minister to a small number and then those people would minister to a small number and that's how the church grew and granted he spoke to large amounts of people at other times but the majority of his like the majority of what the church came from was one was from those 12 um and i think that um we as a church have, or really just church, big C church, like all of Christians, um, all, all, everybody who's a Christian, like we've become kind of complacent. And I think part of it comes back to, in some ways, um, in some ways, biblical literacy, I think. And I think that people don't know the Bible as well as they used to. And I think because of that, they feel inadequate and unequipped and don't feel like they're qualified to be talking to their friend about Jesus. But like two things, like one, like the Bible is like chock full, like of examples, like pretty much every single person you read about in the Bible was ill-equipped and ill-prepared and not qualified in any way, shape or form to, to do the job other than maybe like Saul is who I think of Saul, meaning old Testament Saul. Like he was, he was one of the Benjamites. He was a warrior. He was tall. He yeah, was but like then internally a looking person. Obviously internally he was not had the, the problems. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I think that, uh, um, I think that one, we feel biblically like we don't know the Bible as well, which is true, I think. Um, but also, I think we fail to realize sometimes as Christians that God moves in an, in an in inadequacy. And I think that we need to realize that um, it's just a trusting God thing totally. at a certain point. And then also, I think it is kind of... Um, I think in combination with that, the fact that 
the church kind of has become this one-stop shop. I don't think it um, helps with that situation. Um, and I think that we as a church could be doing a better job with equipping. Totally. And I think that's um, the reason why I started to ask that question in general, whether or not it's the church's role um, to, um, sorry, whether or not it's the church's role to actually be spreading the gospel or if that's the role of um, the people in general is because if you look at it from the perspective of it just being a community of Christians, then it makes total sense. Yeah. Why there's multiple churches because the pure purpose is to be a community of believers in the area. Totally. Yeah. And I think, I think with that, we found kind of a good spot to be able to, to sum up, to be able to close off this conversation. I think we found a future conversation that we can talk about talking about how, um, believers need to be able to take their faith and their calling to take forward the gospel seriously. So in summary, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what we've landed on is there's definitely a need for multiple churches within a community I think so. so that we can fulfill the mission God has called us to, not so that we can just have preferential differences. And the problem that can come up is we end up thinking that we have the right preferences to be more effective when the reality is there's just a whole lot of need out there and we need to be able to do everything we can to help meet the need around us. And so with that being said, you guys, uh, we're going to wrap the conversation up there. We appreciate you guys for listening. If you're listening on Apple podcast, you want to give us five stars, leave a review on it. That'd be awesome. If you're on Spotify and you want to share it on your Facebook, on your Instagram, on something, that'd be really cool. We'd appreciate it. We always love good feedback. Uh, if you follow either of us or follow the Instagram account, DM us, let us know some of the thoughts you have about the podcast. We'd love to be able to continue to make this a better experience for everybody, but we appreciate you guys checking this out. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you guys again next week.